This week's soundtracking episode is brought to you by sleep brand Casper. Now we all strive for a good night's sleep. Well, let Casper help you achieve this with their outrageously comfortable mattresses, which come straight to you from the manufacturer, missing out the money-grabbing middleman. Considering you spend a third of your life on one, why not at least try the 100-night trial with free, no-hassle returns if you're not happy? Shipping is also free if you are within the UK. Interested? Good, because you, our lovely listeners and subscribers to Soundtracking, will receive a special offer. Get £55 off towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com and using the promo code SOUNDTRACKING at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Happy sleeping. It was never going to be an easy job for anyone to follow in the footsteps of the great Ridley Scott and particularly with a film that has become one of the most revered in movie history and characters that embody the word iconic. I think the only person who could not only live up to the expectation but also deliver something that is truly beautiful, matches if not exceeds the original, is Denis Villeneuve. Now, I came late to his talents with the 2013 film Prisoners, a hugely underrated film laden with incredible performances from the likes of Jake Gyllenhaal, Hugh Jackman, Paul Dano and Melissa Leo. Not to mention the bewildering talents of regular Team Villeneuve, cinematographer Roger Deakins and composer Johan Johansson. More on him later. But it was 2016's Arrival starring Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner, which almost feels like his audition piece for Blade Runner 2049. Based on Ted Chang's short story, Story of Your Life, it propelled Denis to one of the best directors around. And that is where we started our conversation. Denis Villeneuve, it's so nice to see you. Do you know what's been wonderful is that in preparation for coming here today, I've just relished re-watching your films. It's been wonderful. Thank you so much. Oh, madam, thank you. I watched Arrival with my nine-year-old son last night, and he had so many great thoughts on that film, which was really quite special. Oh, well, that's it lovely. special. I don't know where to start with you, actually. Can we start with Prisoners? Of course. Because I loved that film, and I thought it was incredible performances, and I just think it was almost all those pieces of a puzzle that just the synergy was incredible. Am I right in thinking that that's the first time that you worked with Johan? Yes, yes, yes. The thing is that at the time I was looking for a composer with a singular voice and uh, the movie needed that, that kind of... Uh, I wanted the music to to be like a, a snowfall, you know. I needed that... Uh, <laughs> the, I wanted the, the music to have that kind of specific sensibility. I listen to tons of composers and that's the beauty of uh, working in, a, in a Hollywood is that uh, you have access to a lot of people and I remember having a, a pile of something like 40 and there was one that came out 
of a, a young composer that uh, was well known uh, in his own field. Mm -hmm. But me, I, I haven't. Uh, I heard the name before, but uh, I was not familiar that much. And I, I just fall, felt in love with the, the strength and the beauty of his compositions and the singularity. Because I always feel that sometimes composer to hear a freshness, sometimes that uh, his own uh, uh, voice mm -hmm. is is not very common. There's not a lot of. A, that uh, stand out and, and him there was something about him and I had a conversation and uh, I met uh, this uh, humble and, and, and sweet and open composer that uh, this agreed to, to came on board with me mm. and uh, he composed uh, uh, at the time the best score I had ever, ever had you know I remember I was uh, on the temp track there was some powerful part and, and, and uh, I was saying to Johan he had composed uh, several tracks that I loved, and one of them, uh, there was still our part in the movie, and Johan said, you know what, I would love to replace this, and I said, of course, I would love to, but uh, it's a big piece. It's there for specific reasons, and, and uh, I'm about to buy buy it right now, the rights, And uh, but if you want to try, and he went, he said to me, in his cabins in the, in the north, <laughs> and he came back with one of the most beautiful pieces I've ever heard, and, and I was so proud of him, I mean... Uh, he nailed it. I mean, he was able to bring something that was, for the movie, better. You know, I was mm. so proud. And it brought so much uh, soul to the movie and, and uh, melancholia that I was looking for. And um, and it was the birth of a, uh, a beautiful co collaboration for me. With that collaboration, does that collaboration start before you start shooting, whilst you're shooting, or, or when you start editing? In the case of Prisoners, it, uh, Johan came, uh, uh, if my memory is good, he had the screenplay <laughs> and he came on set and and uh, saw the mood, the, the, the mood of the scene. The, he um, started early, uh, quite early on the process and uh, the goal was to uh, use as less temp track as possible and mm -hmm. to be in the, as much as possible in relationship with him from the start.
that was just the part of a process that was definitely more uh, elaborated and, and mature for Sicario and Arrival. Yeah. Where then we knew each other and and I wanted to work again together. And um, then for Sicario and Arrival, the first thing I was doing when once the screen tea was finished to, to bring him on board very early on. The piece of music in um, Prisoners that's played in the the camper van. Yes, yes, yes. It's such an important character revelation, I think. Before you see anyone, before you kind of know what's going on, you hear this music within the confines of the camper van. When you come to the decision of the piece of music that that's going to be, is that an easy thing to decide on? The thing is that uh, if memory is good, it's like a Christian uh, uh, pop song or something like that. Ocean. Uh, Yeah, and that... uh, uh, music uh, it was something that was in the screenplay amazing it had uh, a meaning and uh, then it's, it's research we listened to tons of uh, pieces Christian uh, pop music yeah, 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 in order to find the right one <laughs> yeah and that the one that will uh, have the right quality Counterpoint. Mm-hmm. It was happening, and it's very delicate to uh, to go in that zone where you you put something that will, um, in French, we said détonner, that will uh, yeah. uh, create a poetic distance with the images, you know, and that yeah. and it, you you must be careful with the the space between the music and the image, uh, not just to find the right uh, to find the right equilibrium. And I think it's fair to say that you're a Radiohead fan. I am. Uh, I had like some. Uh, my relationship with music is um, music is very powerful. It has a strong influence. It has a strong impact on me. And I think uh, there's something about music. I'm oversensitive, and there's like uh, I would say I deeply love silence. <laughs> I'm someone <laughs> that I'm very boring for my my wife and my kids because I am I love silence <laughs> and they love music. And me, I, I when I listen to music, it always moves me a lot. And uh, uh, I, I realized very early on, on my, uh, uh, doing movies that it was a very bad idea for me to listen to music as I'm directing because it's sometimes uh, it's influenced me too much. I need uh, I, I love to work with silence and, and um, to focus in silence. But uh, uh, there's uh, some moments in my life where I, uh, there's uh, composers like I will say Richard, Richard Strauss uh, uh, is a uh, composer that I really love. There's like uh, John Zorn was a huge aesthetic shock. I mean, when you start to listen to John Zorn music, it's very difficult to be in relationship with pop music after or <laughs> what is that going to be? Because everything seems boring after.
several contemporary bands or musicians that I love, but Radiohead always stand out because there's like a melancholia in what they are doing that goes straight to my heart all the time. And uh, there's a mastery in, the, in their compositions, that blend of progressive rock and alternative. They're sci-fi the, to me. Yeah, yeah they are sci-fi. There's always <laughs> that kind of feeling that they are, you're listening to the music of your future. I deeply love it. I became a Radiohead addict. I don't know how much time I, I did listen to OK Computer. I mean, it's like a, I'm, I'm monomaniac <laughs> like that. And, and so I, in the screenplays I wrote before, the only time I use uh, references to music was Radiohead because it, it, it's only music that I allowed myself to listen mm -hmm. as I was writing. Cario is, um, you know, you talk about that relationship with Johan and, and moving forward and, and him being involved in those projects from early on and the, the soundscape to Sicario encompassing everything is just so powerful. Yeah, and it's 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 one of the best score, uh, best score written in the past 20 years. I mean, it's like, it's so unique and powerful. Yeah. And then I remember uh, saying to Johan that it's, it's it, I needed the sadness mm -hmm. of... of uh, the sadness of that place on the other the border and, and that feel the violence as, as well at the same time and the, and the color of the desert.
and um, he came again, uh, read the screenplay, came and I remember him watching the movie and the first thing he said to me, he said, are you sure it needs music? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, yes, and I need you. And uh, because the movie was already, uh, but he came back uh, with those powerful themes, you know, that mm. uh, Joe Walker and I were like mesmerized by uh, what he brought. Uh, the, yeah, the, the score of Sicario was like, uh, for me, it was a, it's, it's a perfect um, dance between a, a, a composer a director and an editor you know the way we were like uh, working together was uh, that collaboration uh, I, I still deeply love it uh, thinking about that moment There are no breaks between it. The way that the score morphs into the atmospheric sound, that morphs into silence, that morphs into... It's so clever and so powerful. Even before we see anything, you know, you have that drum, that heartbeat that kind of starts you and it doesn't I will, finish. I will give a lot of credits to Johan's skills and talent and, and uh, Joe Walker, the editor of the movie, had a, a music background. They both work closely together I mean, I was there, but I like to give my my collaborators credits, but we uh, worked to try to create a soundtrack that uh, will be very atmospheric, where the uh, sound design and the music, uh, you don't know when the sound design stops and the the music starts, and and, and that uh, it was a a long dance, uh, a beautiful dance between uh, us and uh, Johan, where um, I think I deeply love what Johan is, is a will to uh, adjust himself and to uh, explore. project always define his alphabet he, he goes and uh, create sounds and uh, explore different themes and not themes but really goes from sound design like if, if he was uh, finding his instruments once he found those those sounds that can be quite impressive sometimes mm-hmm. uh, he comes back and create uh, melodies with us and uh, it's always start from the sound design I think even for him the way I see it
I mean, some of those sounds in the film as well that he's created, you're kind of going, what is that? How's he made that sound? Like you say, it's like a, a, a language. It's like each yeah, film that he does, a, it's his own language. Yes, and, and uh, he's a bit of a mad scientist also because <laughs> sometimes uh, I remember uh, for Arrival he sent me, uh, he was doing the music and, and uh, he sent me sometimes, I received, uh, at the beginning of a movie, I always see a clip of what he's doing I, and, and, and it's always like, I, <laughs> it's always like I remember for Arrival it was like he had sent me a... Uh, a clip from the studio where it was a, a gigantic loop. You were seeing a tape traveling in a room, going from one player to another player to another player, going around like that. And it, it was creating those insane sounds, you know, that uh, is really someone that uh, explore the limit of the medium yeah. in a very beautiful way. And, and as and always excited by the unknown and trying to find new, new, uh, new sounds. Yeah. You mentioned Arrival and um, yeah, I mean, the the opening piece, you, you had me straight away. I was kind of, I felt like you were holding my heart in my hand for the rest of that film, just from that opening piece of music. It's, it yeah, really that's a, it's, it's just a, a beautiful... It's, it's a specific piece that Joe Walker found, uh, written by Max Richter. Yeah. And uh, at the time, uh, I wanted uh, Yuan to do something, but we both agreed that uh, that what uh, Richter had done has a specific qualities, and uh, instead of redoing it or trying to f say it's that the thing about ten tracks is that uh, we had to use it at one point because we needed to to look for a specific, a very 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 delicate emotion. Yeah. And and uh, we felt that was the ultimate piece, and and uh, uh, totally agreed, and and uh, I love this the the fact that it was generous. Uh, to yeah. let let the piece live through the score and and he went on on uh, doing the rest of the score that for me is still to this uh, 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 very powerful and yeah. unique soundtrack totally
for Arrival, Yuan started to compose the music before I ever uh, even shot the movie. Uh, uh, the piece of music that you are hearing when uh, Amy Adams sees the, the spaceship for the first time, which is one of my favorite pieces of music of all time, yeah. is uh, uh, was composed before because Yuan was trying to. Uh, create music coming out of from space you know, you know <laughs> yeah. like like alien music yeah and i remember you know i'm full of contradiction i, I said I, i don't listen to music when i'm shoot but this time because of the nature of the music mm -hmm. sometime i was keeping it as a reference on set for myself for pacing and, and for atmosphere because I, i i just felt deeply in love with that piece of music mm -hmm. so the music of yuan was an influence on, on the shoot itself He composed like a, a very powerful score for Arrival, yeah. It's like a piece of art. Yeah, I agree, I agree. And again, it's a score that uh, is uh, closely blended to the sound design, yeah. And um, I wanted to ask you about their language, the creation of that, those designs. And it's, I mean, each one feels like a piece of art. Mm -hmm. Those kind of conversations that they had with those circles and that communication and stuff. How did you go about designing that or designing that with your set designer with your production you know how is it's, it it's uh, so beautiful it was my first sci-fi movie and and uh, to design things sometimes it's not a, it's some it was a process mm. uh, it, the, 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 obviously the language is at the heart of the film mm. and uh, I was looking for a language that will uh, be away from any kind of a human language that uh, will have uh, be a will feel totally unknown to us and very complex and that we will feel that it had an inner logic to it, but that it will be very difficult to understand. And uh, I wanted to have a kind of nightmarish quality. I didn't want it to look like um, something reassuring, something that... Uh, Safe. Will, yeah, and that's a, a language that also will feel almost like a uh, uh impact, you know, like you see a drawing and you see shapes or you're unsure. And uh, the production designer, Patrice Vermette, came, came with... Uh, uh, we did tons of explorations. And one day, there's an artist, a painter, her name is Martine Bertrand, came uh, and uh, came with that idea of a kind of a liquid splash like mm -hmm. that, that uh, the, the shape of the circle was very important. But... Um, And uh, I love the nightmarish quality and the poetry of it. The way it was, uh, it, uh, it's like a dance. Yeah, and 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 um, the only thing is that when I said, "Okay, Patrice, that I think that that's the that's the language that we." we How the hell they will write this? Now I have to find a way because <laughs> in the screenplay it was a. a Expressed that they were using device in it, and I, I wanted something more organic. Mm -hmm. And then I came with this idea that they will be like like uh, squid, and they will just eject ink out of themselves, and with a mental process create those shapes in in their atmosphere. I really wanted the audience to feel that those creatures were coming out from very far away, from a, a place where the laws were different. Than here, yeah, that's a that's a. But I must give credit to Martin Bertrand for her ideas of that kind of shape mm. came from her. Yeah.
Another thing about which I had completely missed the previous times that I've seen Arrival was the reference to Sheena Easton in the script. Jeremy Renner's character, he's he's doing a, a, a voiceover, a narration over a piece, and they're, yeah, trying, to, remember, and they're trying to work out why they've landed where they are. And he went, you know, it might be where Sheena Easton had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's the most random reference to a pop star I, give, I think I, I've I, ever heard. I, I, I need to give back to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. <laughs> I, uh, that's a joke that I, I, I really love, and it, and it, came, it was not in the screenplay. It's, a, it's Joe Walker. Um, the movie evolves, and Joe came with the, this this uh, idea, that this joke about Sheena Easton, because we felt that uh, uh, first of all, we, it's just to bring a bit of humor to to uh, Jimmy Renner's character that uh, uh, was present in the movie. We felt we had to add more. And it's a Joe Walker joke. Joe, Joe has a strong sense of humor. <laughs> well he's done, a, Joe. He's a Brit with a strong sense of humor. I deeply love him. And, Just and bad <laughs> tasting music. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he's very proud of this joke, I must say. <laughs> And then we move on to Blade Runner. Yes. I mean, I've I've not seen the whole film. I got to see about half an hour worth of footage yesterday. It was like being kind of dangled your Christmas presents in front of your face and then yeah. they've been taken away. I cannot wait to see it. Um, I mean, let's talk about Vangelis first of all, because that, from the original film, was such an iconic thing and so part of that film. Vangelis is, is uh, when you think about Blade Runner, everybody will tell you that one of the first things they, they, they come to their mind when you, if I say to you Blade Runner is the, the Vangelis score, which is one of the best and famous story. Uh, Vangelis is a master and um, what he did uh, changed the uh, person. So it, it, it really had so much influence on the composer after him um, for several reasons. like the film noir aesthetic that Roger Deakins and I uh, were trying to uh, stay in contact with. The, the, to, there was also, the, the I felt that the sound design and the music of the movie should be uh, close to the spirit of what Vangelis did. Mm -hmm. um, and the movie needed that, the movie asked for, for that. That kind of romanticism, that, that melancholia, that uh, uh, because the images that we were doing were, were so dark mm. and and uh, in a way depressive, you know, that uh, the, uh, I needed that poetry and that uh, delicate melancholia that Vangels had created with. Uh, so uh, I asked Ben Walfish and uh, Anne Zimmer to to uh, to use the instruments 
that the CS80, a very specific synthesizer that uh, is a beast. It's really a, a powerful machine and very difficult to play with. Uh, um, in order to to uh, honor the memory of, uh, of of the score of the Vangelis mm. as much as we could. It's really, uh, I will say, the score of Blade Runner 2049 is really a, a love letter to to Vangelis score. It's, uh, we are, uh, I think, very close to the spirit of uh, what he did, yeah. Was that easy to achieve? Was it easy to kind of get? Very difficult, it? very difficult, and and I I, I must say, uh, I was like, um, uh, you have to do censorship. I was a pain in the ass for the composers. I mean, I was like, re <laughs> I really insisted and 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 pushed mm. pushed to go away from anything standard that you will hear and, and score today, and to go back to a score that will be more intuitive. Yeah. More uh, at the more of a uh, jazz feeling that uh, like uh, uh, what Vangelis did, and, and uh, to find that uh, art, that melancholia that uh, was required for the movie. It's got to be right for the film, hasn't it? That's that's kind of when it comes down to it. It's. It's what's right for the film. Yes, and you, and it's it's very violent. The movie uh, reject like uh, if it's not. Uh, I tried different approaches for the movie, a lot, and and uh, the movie rejected the uh, uh, everything that didn't sound like uh, 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 coming out of a CS80. <laughs> it yeah. was like uh, there there's no. So the the score is entirely done with with the the, the machine. There's no uh, orchestra. There's no violence. There no, it's really uh, uh, a score that was composed by by uh, uh, Ben Wallfish and 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 Hans Zimmer and and uh, uh, first hand, you know. Without uh, yeah, it is a very uh, we really tried to be in the same landscape that uh, where Vangelis uh, was. Yeah. yeah. relationship with Johan will continue down the line because that's something that's set in stone and so successful and so wonderful. Johan Johansson for me is, uh, is uh, by far one of the best composer uh, alive today. It's a very strong voice and, and uh, it was a privilege for me to make a three, uh, three, three uh, score with him. It was a privilege for me to work with him and I sincerely hope uh, I will have that privilege again in my life. <laughs>
Denis, I, I cannot wait to see the film and uh, I always I also look forward to June and the Sun as well. So keep them coming, sir, okay, because okay. it's always a pleasure. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you, madam. Thank you. That piece is taken from the Blade Runner 2049 score by Hans Zimmer and Benjamin Walfish. Now, I must point out that I spoke to Denis before I'd seen the whole film, having only been privy to about 20 minutes worth. Needless to say, there are things I missed that I hope we can explore on our next chat. My huge thanks to Denis for his time and honesty. It was a real treat to get him ahead of the release of Blade Runner 2049, which, of course is in cinemas now if you can see it on IMAX you can find a full track list for the show via edithbowman.com where you can also listen to all of our 50 plus episodes with some of the most fascinating and insightful minds from the world of cinema follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter we are at Soundtracking UK and we would hugely appreciate if you could subscribe to the podcast rate us and feel free to leave a comment oh and do tell your friends if you like what you hear. Next week, we chat to the incredibly charismatic Swedish director, Thomas Alfredsson, about his new film, The Snowman. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. This week's Soundtracking was brought to you by sleep brand Casper. Listeners and subscribers to Soundtracking will receive a special offer. Get £55 off towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com and using the promo code SOUNDTRACKING at checkout. Terms and conditions apply.